Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Matt. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. We are two game masters who can't stop talking about role-playing games. And today we talk about how we use prepared text at our table. Yes, and as always, we will try to focus in on roleplay and get better at it together. First map, how we're doing? I'm good, I'm good, Chris. We've uh, had a couple of games, we've gotten to play outside, it, it, it's been getting cold, so <laughs> we've had to stay bundled up, but uh, no, it's been, it's been good. How, yeah, how much is off? It shows a level of commitment when we're five dude in the cold behind my house. Some of them are in sleeping bags. Some like I was shivering, <laughs> and we're like role playing. But it was it was a bl I had a blast. It was it was great. Some stuff. Yeah, that, uh... I'm like contemplating pulling out my winter jacket for the next one just because <laughs> it gets so cold at night. Like yeah, and we're just sitting still, right? So we're we're not moving. Maybe that's the next stage of our role play is for us to like actually move around and <laughs> have an actual <laughs> like stage. In my, yeah. like, like the grass part is that that's not crazy actually because you know we've we're used to playing around a table but i have a backyard like we could say like this is the top of the mountain and there's a rock there and blah 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 and you know like an improv game i mean it could be something interesting to explore i, I suppose i don't know I, if the others would would, would agree <laughs> with me but yeah i actually with my my brother when we were younger uh we we toyed with the idea of like because we were doing uh, martial arts and we had some like larping like swords and stuff oh, so cool. when when i would like have a fight with a goblin we would actually have the fight and he <laughs> would he would like adjust the way he fought it was kind of stupid it didn't last long but i mean it wasn't stupid but we were only two people so like, how do you pretend fight, like, seven goblins if you're only fighting one person? Like, there was some hole of logic there, but yeah, it, yeah. it was still kind of funny to try. But I mean, I, it definitely I don't think adds... we do <laughs> No, 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 but th that makes me think of, like, there's definitely some improvements to be made at our table when it comes to descriptions. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, because I, I think the reason why acting out the scene appeals to me is because it provides like some of those visuals to me that I like, Oh, I can see how the character is positioned when they're walking away from the scene, what they're doing when the scene starts, that kind of stuff. And maybe that's a conversation we ought to have with our players at one point, because it doesn't always come naturally to like talk about what your character is doing in the third person. Some people are really good at it. Others, uh, when we like kick a scene off, they just immediately talk about like they, they immediately talk in the voice of their character without any kind of setup. Yeah, which is I think still good, but to say just like oh, you see him uh, come and like uh, dragging his feet to your location, and then he start murmuring, and then you start the scene. Just that tells you a little bit more. Doing the narration right, and mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. yeah. And I mean, we can kind of tie this to today's subject a little bit, which for me has the same kind of use where I I like to set up the scenes that I place in front of my characters, in front of my players with prepared text. Uh, and that's the subject of today of like, how can you, I guess, I mean, I personally use it 
to set up, but we're going to kind of dissect the question of how can you use it, how do we use it, and what's the pro and the cons and all this. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, prepared text has a lot of different flavors to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially when, when you immediately think about what prepared text is. I know a lot of you listening will immediately think of modules, right? Like you'll immediately think of the, the flavor text in bold or in a box on the page of a, a prepared module, which is basically saying, read me out loud. Um, mm -hmm. and, and Chris and I, I think when we talk about prepared text, we're thinking more of prepared text that we ourselves have written uh, to, to be read out loud. So there's maybe a little bit of a distinction there. And I wonder if that's a good place for us to start, Chris. Yeah, yeah. And that's why we called it prepared text and not box text. I think when we talk about box text, the reason, at, at least I think why we call it that is because it's in a box, usually, like you said, in module and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And the, I think the distinction is... I mean, one of the big distinctions for me is that a module text I didn't write, obviously, but it's not written in the way I talk or the way I convey information. And sometimes I even need to, like, if I'm going to use the box text, I'm going to have to, like, read it in advance and maybe even modify it for it to fit the way I talk. Yeah, yeah, that resonates with me a lot too, Chris. I, I, I find, what I find actually kind of bothers me about box text in particular is that it's there to make your life easier, or at least that's what I perceive it to be. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes, if it's a module that I've, you know, I've maybe I've read through a couple of weeks ago, when I go to read the box text, I feel like my my muscles, my, my like read aloud muscles maybe aren't flexed enough to be able to read text that somebody else prepared for me. Mm -hmm. um, so in general, I, I tend to not really like using read aloud texts uh, from modules when like in the rare occasions that I use modules. Um, mm -hmm. and, and maybe it's because of that exact reason. Like I, I tend to avoid using modules in general so I don't, I don't know if that, that must be part of it, right? Like I'm not used to using them. So what well, I, do I don't know because I personally use prepared text a lot more and more actually, because I find, I find that if you use it right, and I guess maybe this is like, we're going to talk more about it, but if you use it right, it's such a great tool. At yeah, least... yeah, but, but I don't mean prepared text. I mean, modules. No, no, like, I, I, know, I, I don't know. use and... modules a lot. So yeah, using somebody else's. Saying... What I was saying is, like, I use prepared text a lot, but I don't like box text either mm -hmm. because, like you said, it feels always kind of sterile. Sterile? Sterile? I don't know. It's sterile. Sterile. Thank you. Yeah. In, in the story. <laughs> and it's, it's often, I don't know, when I prepare my text, I know what is rigid, what is absolutely is going to stay like that. Like, for instance, the description of a room. Mm -hmm. Because... It's not going to change most likely before they get there. Um, but what I don't like often, and I'm using Warhammer mostly second edition as a reference here, but maybe other like other systems don't do that. But I feel like often once I get to the box text, it often doesn't really apply because it's all a, the situation, the trigger, the the character. Like there's a lot 
of thing like it depends on a lot of things going exactly how the module thinks it's gonna go yeah you know when mm -hmm. i prepare my text i i take that into account to give it some flexibility where i need it and we're probably going to talk a little bit more about this rigidity versus flexibility on in the section where we're going to talk about like how do we do it but i feel like sometimes modules are not great at this yeah and i mean it's it's hard to to try to predict what players are going to do right so yeah. <laughs> so I, but but i echo that sentiment it's it's tricky uh especially when it's like you said it's, it's trying to predict things quite far in advance so when you're using it as a game master you not only need to figure out when to use it but you need to kind of dissect it yourself first mm -hmm. um which like you're saying when you're preparing it for yourself you can kind of do that already and that's kind of why i like using read aloud text um in particular but let, maybe we can get into why we like doing it like you said chris a little bit later yeah um, i'm actually curious to i mean i kind of know i think i kind of know the answer because i've played in your game but like how often would you say you use prepared text in a game? And obviously it might depend like if you're having a fight the whole time, but like maybe an average or what are the situation that you would say you always use it or never use it? Did you have like any kind of like um, markers, I would say? I mean, I, I think I use it at least once a game. Like I, I would be, like, like you said, unless there's like a big combat, I, I almost use it every single game, especially I like to use it in like the exploration phase. Mm -hmm. You know, when, like you're saying, Chris, to introduce something, to, to explain an environment, that kind of stuff. I, but yeah, just to, I guess to answer your question directly, how often do I use it? Every game. And in fact, I prepare multiple prepared texts for every game. However, I rarely use them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If mm -hmm. that makes sense. For sure. How about how about yourself? How often do you find yourself I, using? It's funny because I, when I started game mastering, I was using those box decks from modules, and I quickly realized I didn't like it. So when I was running, at first I was not preparing text. I was preparing bullet points. Uh, and it was kind of not enough for me to set scenes, set up some scenes. So I started putting more and more and more together. And I'm key, I think I, I'm still adding more and more every game. Like the last two games we've played in the last two weeks, I had like pages of prepared text for different occasions. And it was basically a lot of the scenes that I thought were going to happen, I had prepared text for them. So I would say like a very heavy RP game. I can go and use it like four or five times. And some of you might go like, what, that's way too much. For me, that's what works. And I think it really works. But uh, I would say like when we were doing exploration, like you said, in the tombs, uh, my players were going into tombs. They were like three different um, levels, two different floors with a bunch of different rooms. I had prepared text for pretty much every room. So that mm -hmm. when you walk mm -hmm. in, I can give you a thought of description of what you see and then you can interact with it the way you want but i can put interesting clues and interesting um, aspect of every room 
and also one big thing I do with prepare text is the beginning of the game, the just to get everybody in the the recap, right, of what's been going on. And some player, some game masters don't like do their, doing their recap. They ask the players to do it. Um, for me, it doesn't really work at my table. I feel like sometimes they they do, but it doesn't bring everybody back into like the mood of getting to play. Especially if we finished on a cliffhanger. If we finish on a cliffhanger and we're going to start back, I will do a prepare text so that by the end of that prepare text, my players are like, yeah, let's do it. We know what's going on. And we're all on the same page. Yeah. And, and I, I think that kind of touches on uh, one of the questions that people tend to ask when it comes to this kind of stuff, right? Is when should you use prepare text? When would be a good time to use it? So we've we've skimmed the surface a little bit saying it's good for descriptions. It's good for, for you know, it feels the most natural when the players are entering a space or they're looking at something and you kind of give them that, that wholesome description. And part of the reason why I like to do it then, Chris, is because I've actually in the past, I found myself kind of screwing up yes like just riffing it off like you know i have a very clear picture in my head what this this room looks like you know you enter an office and there's all this interesting stuff there's a mahogany desk that's like shine like spit shined and it's like beautiful with the light reflecting off of it and there's this big window overlooking the vegetable garden and the side and then i i finish my description and then maybe you know 15 seconds after that, I realized, oh man, I completely forgot to explain the bookshelf that yeah. has a trap door behind it. Mm -hmm. But I can't like retcon that because if I do, it's going to be too obvious that that's like important. <laughs> and even if it's not, if you like be like, oh, by the way, guys, there is also this bookshelf, they're going to be like, oh, I mean, he took the time to mention this. So let's take like, a lot of time reading, like just looking at every book of this bookshelf. You know, like it invites metagaming. Yeah. Or yeah. actually, you might just like not, you might just, your players might be missing information. But yeah, I think this is a big one you just said there where it's kind of a, uh, it's a backup plan, not a backup plan. It's, it's a way to make sure all the information that you thought of is exactly the way you intended to in the description. And there's, if you're like a great storyteller, like the best storyteller ever in perfect memory, you probably don't need it. Uh, but I don't know if, if you guys, and I'm not going to mention that multiple times, but if you guys watch Critical Role, um, Matt Mercer, it doesn't seem to because he's like a voice actor and he knows he, he knows how to read, so it doesn't really show. But he's clearly using a lot of prepared text, so um, it it can be very organic in the storytelling. I think. Are Are there other moments for you, Chris, where it feels natural? I think for me, there's it's it it works a lot with beginning of scenes, triggers. Uh, like one of the last scene, I actually the last scene we played the last game. Uh, I imagine that it was kind of like a, the villain meets the heroes, mm. or at least one hero. And I had an idea for the setup. It could have been a lot different depending on the actions of the heroes. But I had something prepared. 
and I had a bunch of different small prepared text that I could insert or I could basically just remove even answers. Like if I expect a question, like I expect a, a character to ask a question to the to the villain. Yes, I know his motivation. Yes, I know everything. But maybe I like to have that catchphrase or that like well thought of answer, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I like that you say catchphrase because that's something that I, I mean, I don't know if we can, it, maybe if we stretch <laughs> the definition of prepared text a little bit here, but it definitely for NPCs and for, for, for roleplay, having a couple of sentences that are like that character's go-to sentence or, or, you know, the way that they, they end a, they end an argument or the way they end their reasoning, they, they always kind of end it with the same kind of like, and that's how I always tell my brother or like, I don't know, some stupid, mm -hmm. so, something like that, that it's good to have written down because you've got so many NPCs to take care of that. If you have a couple of those like flavor uh, sentences in there, it really makes the characters more believable. So it, it definitely makes the role play more immersive. I guess where that balance becomes tricky is if the prepared text for roleplay is too long, I can find it teeters a little bit on ruining immersion instead of, like it hinders immersion instead of uh, facilitating it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've experienced this, Chris, but I sometimes that has happened to me where I would prepare an NPC's, you know, maybe they have like a, a, a big thing that they want to kind of let out. And if the, if the players probe and ask the right questions, well, then they're going to like unlock something. And then the character is going to now talk about something else. Like uh, I'm trying to think of uh, like, I had the shopkeeper character who had a quest hook kind of like hidden in his backstory kind of. Mm -hmm. And if the if the players interacted with him in a certain way and got and earned his trust, he was then gonna like request their help to go find something that he you know that was stolen from him and he needed them to go retrieve it. And I kind of had like this block of text that I was gonna read out, but I find that because I was sh shifting from interacting NPC to player like giving them like eye contact and stuff and then having to switch to read the prepared text. I felt like making that transition was a little bit complicated, even if it was my own text, like I knew what it was. Uh, I found it a little too long. I think I, I would have needed to crunch it down into something smaller. Yeah. It's, it's very using prepared text is definitely a, in art, an art, I think, and uh, I think I'll try to use your examples and, and my own experiences. I did a like a communion that one of my players had with their gods, and it was a long text because it was a lot of, I hope, cool description of like the place and meeting the god, and and it was more like description, and it was very long. It was very long, but I think it was. It was by design, and I and I think it was the right way of doing it. But one of the problems I had is by reading the thing, uh, I couldn't make 
eye contact because if I stopped looking, I, I I would maybe lose the place I am, and like it could. That's where my text would not flow as well. You know, like the the flow of the actual prepared text in that case would be would would cause problem. So I wouldn't. I I was not able to see the reaction of my players, which I would have liked to see. So that's mm -hmm. one example. But the other one, I'm actually going to turn into a question for you because last game, uh, in that scene when I talk about like the the villain meeting the hero, you were the hero in that situation. Diedrich was. Um, I remember you at the end telling me like, oh, I wasn't sure how interactive it was, you know? But like, I usually do, descriptions are not really interactive because I'm just descripting the whole room and then you can interact with it. But this was kind of like you, I don't know, you said something to the, he's called a warp lord and he started like basically lecturing you, doing a monologue. And this was like the whole monologue I gave you was actually, I think, like seven prepared texts, like seven small prepared texts with different elements in them mm -hmm. that I kept like to put at different places. But because when I was looking at you between them, you still like, I thought I, I saw Diedrich listening and like almost like wanting to know more. I kept going and kept going and kept going and was actually surprised that at one point Diedrich was not cutting me off or like, you actually took control of the discussion at the beginning, but when I started that monologue, I felt that you, Matt, not Diedrich, did not know, was it okay for me to jump in? So maybe do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, well, I mean, in my shoes, I thought you were saying something interesting, first and foremost. Mm. So like me as a, as a, as a player was, was interested in what you were saying. But yeah, the, the other part was like, I saw you there with your paper and your eyes were still kind of going. I, I, I didn't know exactly if I was supposed, not supposed to interrupt you, but like, you know, I, I, I knew you had put effort into doing the scene. It was a good scene. It had a lot of interesting information. I saw less detriment in like sitting back and letting you say what you had to say I, I, it, it felt like a like a, an exposition moment mm -hmm. wrapped into a role play scene so yes. i wasn't too sure to what extent i i was intended to interact with it i guess is my it was my position and, mm -hmm. and i mean and, and to be fair my character was also kind of being held hostage by this guy, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I didn't want, like, in in my character's shoes, I didn't want to, I didn't want to interrupt the guy that was basically holding the life of one of my friends in his the palm of his hands, and like could have in any moment, like, if I frustrated him, he could have done something stupid, not stupid, but you know, justifiably to like re retaliate against me, especially mm -hmm. after I had failed. <laughs> doing something just like that um because yeah for those of you listening I, I tried to like destroy something precious to him and he caught me in the act and, and like dispelled me from doing it so i i kind of like was like okay i'm gonna just like sit back and, and not upset this character <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that answers your question i mean it kind of does but I, I i was also wondering i i thought it would have been a good example of maybe uh, prepare text, making the player feel like he can't part, like 
do what he wants to do. But from what I get from your answer, that's not exactly what happened. But then I'll ask the question, do you feel like sometimes prepared texts are kind of like putting you into a box that you can't really interact with the things that are going on? Well, I mean, I think this this example that you talked about, about like my character and the, the villain that he met and then kind of being put in this like quote unquote hostage situation and, and being like, in, being interacted with, I, I think there were situ like there were circumstances outside of the prepared text that made it maybe a little bit less, um, a little bit less interactable. Maybe uh, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but I was certainly seeing you there with with the pages made me Matt as a person feel like okay, there's you know he's reading his text. And also we were playing outside and you were sitting like maybe three meters away from me. So like if, if, your, if your face came up to look me in the eye and like you stopped saying something like mm -hmm. waiting for me to engage again, that vocal, like that visual cue might've been missed as well. Uh, so I think there was a, there was a handful of factors at play mm -hmm. there. Um, and I forget the question you asked me about prepared text. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. I think I think you've put it. You've given an answer. I don't know if it was the answer of my question, but it was an answer. But okay, I, maybe just to complete like that that example, I think I, I don't usually prepare text for NPCs interacting with player characters. Just to tell the viewer, I don't I don't usually have a bunch of like prepared text when you meet NPCs. The reason I did it in that case is because if the situation was going to happen the way I thought it was, which was what you said, one of your friend was kind of held hostage with a knife to his neck. It wasn't like that, but it was kind of like that. He had your most precious um, uh, possession in his hands and he was like, sit down, we need to talk. I figured he would have had, like he had probably time to monologue a little bit. And it also worked with his character and also worked with bringing the tension up, doing a little bit of exposition. So I did prepare text in that scenario, but mm -hmm. I don't do it that often with, with NPC. I do it a lot with descriptions of locations, but not that much with like NPCs delivering a monologue. Yeah, yeah. And that, uh, I think, is in part because descriptions like this, prepared text, tend to fare better when the characters can't interrupt them right chris yeah. like that that's and i say interrupt I, I with big quotes around it but like really if there's a situation where you're giving a description of of a room it's static it's it's very you know it's it's not too dependent on timing, so you can sit there and, and the characters can kind of spectate as you give the description. You can you can really lay the groundwork for the scene, whereas like you're saying in a in an interaction with an NPC, well, what's to stop the player character from completely disengaging with the NPC or stopping them in their tracks and saying something else or or asking them a question that completely like kerfuffles the NPC and frustrates them or makes them upset. So now they they their you know their their tone completely changes. Well it 
when you ent when you add all those variables in, it makes the prepared text a little bit more complicated. Um, but because we've done it in the past, I wonder if Chris, if you have strategies to resolve or or things that you do to I guess fix when a player interrupts your 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 descriptions. Yeah, I think I think I have a lot to say about that subject actually. Um, for description of locations. I think I try to make it clear. I think it's you just need to have an understanding with your players that you're gonna have a chance to react. And if you cut me, like cut me off during the description, or if you wait at the end, it's not gonna make a difference on your initiative. It's not gonna make a difference on like you know, if you describe how you get in the room and you get ambushed like by skeletons and you do a big description of the skeleton like getting closer, like there's an understanding that if you cut me off during the description, it's not going to make a difference. And also there's an understanding that I will not kind of abuse time warping so that you don't, so that you can't act, you know? I'm going to mm -hmm. start the scene where we're at the beginning of this observation. So it's kind of like a give and take where I'm going to finish my description, but I'm going to, I'm not going to skip three turns for me to be exactly where I want it to be. Yeah, you know? I'm not going to describe the skeleton walking up and striking you with your sword and you losing 10 HP. and like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. And once this yeah. is established, like I've never had a problem with my players because I think this was established from the get-go. And there's all the aspect of trust and we've already talked about trust uh, a lot on this uh, podcast. But it's... Um, yeah, so I think this is for description. As far for NPCs, well, maybe I should jump back to you. Like, does that make sense? Do you have any other tricks, maybe for description, or or if you want to take NPCs or whatever you want? Yeah, well, sure. I'll I'll, I'll keep going on on descriptions first, I suppose. Um, I think you you bring a really interesting point, Chris, about setting the expectations and and kind of ensuring that the players trust that this isn't a moment to be interrupted because there's no benefit to doing it. And then there's the converse side, right? Like sometimes you can do something with the intention of it being interrupted. So you invite mm -hmm. the, you invite the players like, look guys, I'm going to like start explaining something. You don't have to explicitly say it, but like you start saying things and you're looking at the characters are saying, Oh, you see, you know, you see a little old lady. She's at the well throwing coins into the well. She's wishing for something. And then you see a shady guy around the corner approaching her. He's taking his time, making sure nobody notices him and he's going behind her. And you mm -hmm. kind of like you pause and you look around to see if anybody like does anything, you know, like you, you can kind of like, like, like not extrapolate, but you can, you can say your, your description in a way that invites the players to interrupt it compared to when you enter a room and you're just talking about static objects, that might be a distinction that could be useful for you to try to do like in the delivery of that of that prepared text mm. i don't tend to do that actually now i think about it the, the, like interrupt me when you actually want to i think if i do it i i actually will read the part where oh she's dropping a thing in the well and then you see this shady guy coming i would say like do you do anything or do you keep watching which is not as dramatic maybe but i think that allows me that player will never copy off because they will never ask themselves 
like, should I interrupt now? And maybe, like you said, it's in the delivery, but I don't think maybe, I don't, I wouldn't say I've mastered that because I think I do do the, those cuts of, do you want to interact now? Do you want to interact now? And maybe once I do it once, it's kind of like, whenever you want to interrupt me, now you can. But yeah, that's kind of a gray zone there. Yeah, it's 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 tricky, and it's like you're saying, it depends on your style. It depends on your players too. I I remember one time, I I had a scene sort of like this. It wasn't with the old lady and the the burglar, but it, you know, I had a scene where there was a bunch of stuff going on, and it was with new players, and they didn't want to stop me, and I was trying to be like. I was really dragging it out and I was really like pausing and saying like, so what's your character doing? And then they would say like, oh, I'm still at the shop. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm going to keep explaining the thing. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I actually had to stop and, and tell them, like I said, like, guys, it's okay for you to interrupt me in an environment where it's dynamic like this. And <laughs> the guy pulls his knife slowly, <laughs> then goes to the old woman, starts stabbing her. <laughs> no, nothing, guys, nothing. <laughs> so yeah, there's 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 something to say about the delivery there. Um, and then you talked about NPCs, so maybe I'll I'll start and then I'll throw the bone back to you, Chris, about NPCs. But to me, one strategy that I like to employ to like quote unquote make it easier to use prepared text or to fix interruptions is to just write my prepared text expecting them, right? Like write a couple of sentences and then bullets or ideas. And I guess now it's less of a prepared text and more of like a, a thought bubble, but it, I still kind of see them as similar, similar concepts. So yeah, it's just not to force a huge block of text in a situation where it's an NPC talking, try to have a clear trigger for that text to start and then a, kind of a, make it short and sweet so that you don't risk going on for too long and, and ruining that back and forth that maybe you have the eye contact that you have with, uh, with the players. Yeah. How I about yourself? That's no, that's good. I think it kind of looks like what I do too. Like, I think for NPCs, you can't do this big box where he starts monologuing because then you have the interrupting problem for sure. It's, it does, I don't know, it doesn't do well. So yeah, I do do like uh, those bullets. I think what I do, I usually do the one that I set up, maybe the scene, the description. Sometimes they start talking or whatever. And I, I split it often in like questions. So what questions are, are they going to ask if they are in an inquisitive kind of, if they are there to ask a question? So if mm -hmm. I take the Warp Lord, the same example again, it was kind of like that. It was like the setup. Then it was question he was willing to ask because I find that often players in a scene, maybe that they didn't expect, don't, they don't know where to start. So I feel like to have the NPC ask question is usually a good way to start. And at one point, if the players are passive, it's going to just keep being a bunch of questions and going to answer them. And it's, I guess that's their problem. But often what happens, and that's what happened with you, you're like, you, you ask a lot of questions. Let me like also ask. like, And then they start taking the conversation in their own hand and take actions. And that's mm -hmm. when then it becomes kind of a juggling act. But I have a bunch of questions. And so for him, I had like two or three questions. And then I had 
his visions. So why, like, I was expecting you asking maybe like, why are you doing this? Well, I had an answer for that. Because you, mm-hmm. if you ask that question, then me having an answer means you're going to listen to the whole answer probably, you know? So you're probably not going to interrupt me like, I don't care, you know? And I had also the last sentence he would say, I do that often actually, the last sentence of when they leave and that Warp Lord says something like, I'm leaving, don't follow me. I'll remove the swear words. <laughs> don't follow <laughs> me. Otherwise, I'll, I'll mutate you and all your friends, keeping you for last. last. And it's not going to be mutating in something cool like a wolf or a hawk. I'm going to turn you all into slugs. It was a little bit more graf- like graphic than that, but I'll keep it like that. But um, that was prepared because it was kind of like his farewell. <laughs> um, so I, I like doing that conclusion. Yeah, but- I, I like that a lot, actually, Chris, now that you say that, because it really, especially if it's a scene that you want to make important, it helps punctuate it, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's just a, a random NPC, the, the blacksmith and whatever, there's no need for, for you guys to, you know, for you listening to think of something like this. But in this case, in this example, it's a scene with with a reoccurring villain that's come back several times who's who's important like you know like it, it to us as players it's in, it's clear that this character is important and our perception of this character is important so yeah i really like that uh, uh, kind of like a farewell sentence to punctuate the scene and leave a certain feeling with the players that's that's really smart clever thanks and and and, and i think it really depends how you build that uh, that NPC interaction for me to him was I really control the beginning. I really control the end. I have points for the middle where I had another scene that day with uh, my rogue character where for some reason that I won't go into, he knew someone was going to test his loyalty to his employer. And I had this guy show up and he was kind of an investigator asking him question about the employer, like to, to basically have a rat and, you know, to be like, like, tell me more about your employer. I want to learn and we'll put him in jail. And at the beginning, he's very nice. And he's like, oh, do you know him? Have you ever been to his location? Blah, blah. And his goal is to catch the guy into a lie. And he gets more and more and more and more. And at one point, he says, no, I know you're lying to me. I know you've worked with him. I know blah, 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 blah. Tell me the truth. And he's becoming more pushy and more pushy and more pushy. So that encounter was built with a bunch of um, bullet points that really escalate, escalate, help me out, Matt. Escalated. Escalated, <laughs> thank you. I'm francophone. Escalated to, like, this guy telling him, like, you're a traitor, and if you don't, like, work for me, I'm going to, like, put all you and your friends to, into jail. But because he knew this was just a setup from his employer to test his loyalty, he was like, whatever, guy, whatever. But it still, like, created, like, at the end, like, my rogue was going in the street, like, not listening, like, and I had the the investigator being like, I'm going to get you. <laughs> Almost like um, Superman. Is that Superman? Is that the show? I'm going to get you, Superman. I don't know. That's not- I have no idea. <laughs> but know. yeah, no, it's... And, and it makes a difference, right? The the control that the character, the NPC has... Yeah. Can certainly give you a little bit more liberties in the amount of prepared text you can use. Um or, and the strategies you use to write that prepared text, I think that that's, that's important, right? Because like you're saying, in, in like these two examples, 
Sometimes it's a little bit less structured and you need to prepare the text in a more freeform, adaptable kind of way. Right? It's you kind of have like a web of a web of prepared text and depending on where the players take you you may want to have prepared text to kind of punctuate certain things compared to just like a show and tell where it's very rigid there's a start there's an end and there's no room for interruption basically what we're saying what i'm saying here is if you feel like there's going to be interruptions if you feel like it's a more dynamic conversation or description you might want to write it as such so that it's more like a I don't, want to, I don't want to use branching again because we use that in another video for something else or in another discussion for something else, but kind of like a tree of, of options compared to just a block of text, rigid static block. So I think that that's one way to really, I guess, prepare your text mm -hmm. and kind and of I, compensate for that. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what we're, we were saying in the beginning with box text from modules. To me, they always feel rigid. And sometimes it's good when it's description of the room. I appreciate having this in the module. Uh, the problem is when they used it differently, where it should be adaptable, you know? And that's where we, you and I have been talking about those bullet points. You can do it the way you want, obviously. And, but to have those points, you can kind of pull where there are probably two sentences. They have one main idea and you can have this. And I mean, it's prepared text, but you might not read it actually. It might just be the, kind of like notes but for me mm -hmm. it's more than just having like notes of things you want to say because it is triggered and some of them are longer uh so yeah you talked about being triggered by something happening or if we talk about like your tree there it's depending on their action they can have different text unlocked like in a video game but obviously this this can get like we're talking about a lot of text right now. I, I use it a lot, but at one point, like how do you know what when it's too much? So I'll probably ask the question to you now, like when do you feel it's too much or is there a point where it's too much or is it just how you use it? Like how do you see that? I, I think it's maybe becomes too much or for me, I feel like I've done it too much if i don't get to like role play mm -hmm. with especially when it's for an npc right if, if i don't get to role play a scene as an npc and feel like wow that was a good scene to role play. like it felt fun it felt interactive it felt like dynamic then i think i've done it too much in that context if it's in a description i think i've done it i, I think i've done it too much if the players can't remember, like they're asking me a lot of questions about the space that I had already included in the description. I either the description was too long and they couldn't remember, or the description wasn't memorable enough. So I don't know, it, it doesn't really answer did I do it too much, but I didn't do it properly in that mm. in that instance. So I, I probably shouldn't have done it, or I should have done it better. So I had a better, more, you know. A description that had clearer, more concise imaging to per, to convey to my to my players. That's a good criteria for like 
if you finish the description and they ask you question about it, yeah, there's probably something there. I mean, they might ask for details because they want to interact with it. That's fine. But like mm -hmm. really important things that you've said, yeah, that might be problematic. Um, and and you mentioned, I wanted to address something you mentioned. You mentioned something for the NPC. Oh yeah, if I don't, if I can't role play. I totally agree with that. And I, I think something to mention that it's kind of implied, but maybe it's worth making explicit. It's all those bullet bullet points are not like question and answer for me. I don't know for you, but like they're not like here's a question, and then they're gonna the, the characters are gonna answer this, and then I'm gonna say this thing. I don't have the discussion written out. I have the beginning of every discussion so that I can take this to spark something, and then it's kind of the setup, and then I have the whole scene outside of these prepared texts and that's what you're talking about like i need to role play i shouldn't just read like triggered box after triggered box and blah 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 right yeah yeah and i mean in some rare circumstances it can be it can be done well i don't want to toot my own horn but there was one moment where i feel like i i i did this quite well it was a very descriptive based role play scene it was a lot of exposition and it was when i had one of the players join their captain in a meeting with other pirate captains it was like this giant pirate council and there was a lot of back and forth between npcs there was a lot of exposition going on and it was like for all sakes and purposes like interruptible if the player wanted to but there was still it was still like a meeting so there was still structure in this meeting there was still like a quote-unquote meeting agenda that was going to be followed so what i found interesting in that in that sense chris was that i i had i had a little notebook with a whole bunch of stuff that i was just reading off and you know the player could interact with it could ask questions about it could put their input into the scene but it was still going to kind of move forward in a very clear way and at the very end there was going to be all of this like information shared that the character had gained that I, I i had a lot of fun doing and i thought you guys had a lot of fun listening to me like basically play a whole bunch of npcs interacting with each other uh, <laughs> but but in the, in that case like by the previous definition of what i said it would sound like i read too much but mm -hmm. i think it still worked so just to like, you know, take what we're saying with a grain of salt, sometimes you can read for a long period of time with a positive effect. Yeah, to every rule, there's a <laughs> counterexample. Like for me, like I really resonate because I was thinking also uh, when in the Blood Betrayal campaign, you guys went, I call it in the dagger, like one of my characters explored the dagger and kind of saw the backstory of that dagger. It was... Um, it was during a combat, so every time it was this character turn, I would read. It was kind of like three quarter of a page. It was pretty long, maybe even a page that I would read, and that's way too much. And I knew it was too much, but my goal there was to give too much information because I wanted the player or players to take notes on what they thought was important. There was a lot of details, and the goal was to be like, "There's." clearly important information in there 
and there's clearly information that is kind of just lore and exposition that you won't need but it's hard to know right now which is which you know so yeah, it was yeah. it was too much it was in the middle of combat which kind of mean that i didn't read all of it in one go it was but put all together it was a lot of text for for one game yeah it, i mean it was but like you're saying again and it is i think similar to my example too right it was a lot of exposition it was a lot of a lot of detail that was still enjoyable to consume so it i, I think it you know just make sure you guys are doing that every single game because then it, yeah. then it is too much. But then it's, it's like, it's, oh, here, here we go, Game Master telling us about the world that we can't really interact with. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're running a little bit long, so maybe we can try to you know, speed through the next few, and I don't think it'll take us too, too long. But okay. I'd like to ask you, you know, what's, if you had to pick one thing, what do you like the most about Prepared Text? For me, it's kind of easy because you guys know I'm a francophone. Sometimes I don't have exactly the right grammar or the right structure or the right world word. See, <laughs> exhibit A. So having a text means I don't screw up. I can really prepare in advance and make sure that the impact of the scene that I want to convey is it's put exactly the way I want. You know. Yeah. How about yeah, you, Matt? It that that's uh, like we said at the end there. The most is that it it really allows me to punctuate something, and it kind of gives me a, it, it gives me a break. It cuts me some slack because I don't have to stress about making sure that I say it at the table. I get the opportunity to just like kind of not turn my brain off because it's thinking of a hundred other things at the same time. But I at least I don't have to worry about describing the room properly. You know what I mean? Like at least. I know that I've already given this thought and I just have to read it out. <laughs> yeah, and it really That's helps. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, it really helps having that pause, that punctuation, and then we start. What about what you like the least about prepared text? I, I think that what I like the least about prepared text, Chris, and maybe it was obvious in, as, I, you know, as I talked today in this episode, is that sometimes i worry that i'm too like i'm gonna sacrifice something mm -hmm. for the prepared text and well, usually well, we something usually it's that visual contact it's that like intimacy with the players right it's it's especially in an environment where it's a it's an npc or it's something that i want to see the characters i want to see the players and like feed off of their energy it's really hard to do that when you're reading a prepared text, unless you're super good at like transitioning between staring at them and reading the text, but that that's a kind of an acquired skill. So to me, that's, yeah, that's the piece that I think is the weakest part of all that. How about yourself? For me, I mean, there's definitely that, but I think I love, <laughs> I'm at the phase and I think it's a phase to be honest. I'm at the phase where, I just love prepared text. It's it's been creating awesome scenes in my games lately. So I the more the merrier. The only thing is I might just skip it. You know, like it's it's a prep, I might just skip it. So what do I like the least? Sometimes what I like the least is the prep. <laughs> prep That's like, fair. That's like, fair. <laughs> like prepping all of it and then 
someone, you know, in the last game, one of my characters just he he told me he would do something during that during the game, and he did something else. Well, I used some of the prepared text, some of the ideas that were in my prepared text, but the setup, the description of some of the location did not apply. So I had to improv, which is totally fine. I'm a game master. I love improv too for what it is. But some of my prep work was kind of down the drain. Mm-hmm. Um, and often you you say like, oh, an adventure, you can recycle, blah, blah, blah. Prep text, not really, you know? So, uh, I mean, you might be depending on the situation, but I would say definitely the visual contact, the like, but but I don't, I don't have a lot of problem of flow actually, because if I have, I'm just gonna not use it. But then the cost is the prep that I did before. Yeah, yeah, that that's fair. Um, and I mean, something that I think, if if I can go back to things that I like about prepared text, I, I know we, I said we had to go fast, <laughs> but I'll try to be really fast. Is that I I feel like when you write prepared text, you can really use a lot of immersive language, right? Like sometimes it's hard to think of that on the fly, but if you're preparing a text for something like you're going into a boiler room at the bottom of like this bathhouse. Well, you can come up with wording. You can come up with with um, like adjectives that really accentuate and make the space real. The characters, you know, it's it's really hot. It's stifling. It's hard to breathe. You you, you can really transplant your players into the space by by writing a prepared text that touches on on you know the the touch, the smell, the sight, all of that, so mm-hmm. that you convey and trans- like, transport them to another place. Yeah, um, I spent a lot of time just looking at synonyms to make sure I don't use the same word, words, world, well, that <laughs> Uh Words. I, I learned a lot of vocabulary, like words like dais, uh, billowing, and stuff like that, just to, because it's a nice word to describe, you know? Yeah. Um, um, so maybe we can take a step back from what we love and what we like the least and stuff like that, and maybe talk about exactly how we use them. We've been touching on it, but maybe concisely, like how how do you use them, uh, Matt? Yeah, and and this could kind of serve as a wrap up, I think. For yeah. The episode. Mm-hmm. Um. So well, you know, for me, I like to use them mainly for descriptions, like we said enter a room, you enter a town, you you look at an object of, of interest that is important. Well, I might have a prepared text, a couple of sentences for that. The, the, other, um, the other instance where I like to use prepared text in a more loose way is with NPCs. I like to give them like catchphrases, sentences, and sometimes these kind of like triggered texts that can happen. I find that it can add life to the character. And if you guys, like we said, you know, consider how interruptible your scene is and you construct the prepared text in a way that will facilitate that, then you shouldn't have too many problems. Yeah, for me, I use them a lot for the intro of the game. I like to do them, especially um, when there's a cliffhanger, uh, to get the people right back where they were in their heads when we finished last game. Uh, I have you playing a, an astromancer, someone who sees in the future. 
so if I know uh, or I I think I know what kind of vision you're gonna ask me like what 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 premonition you're gonna you're gonna have depending on on where the story is going I might prep visions for you um yeah prepping um communion with gods and stuff like that I I, I like to do that I think that I took kind of from critical role oh here it is again um <laughs> from like Matt Mercer uses it a lot during <laughs> when they sleep they always end up talking to their gods and they he has a prep text for that usually so yeah yeah and then another instance that you guys could use them in is when it's like something fast paced so if there's maybe some kind of skill challenge water is rising or there's a fire burning something down you can use prepared text to really get your point across but i would try to encourage you guys not to make these descriptions too long because again it's it's something dynamic that the players are going to want to interact with yeah and, and i think that, oh. i was going to say that kind of segues into how to write them so yeah, i'll let you and, pick this over chris in, in terms of being dynamic in your writing i mean we're definitely not writers at all but i found that playing with the length of the sentence for me really helps when i when I want to create an effect of grandeur of like, oh, this big room with a lot of description, if I do one long sentence, I find that it makes it seems, it's kind of tedious to read, but at the same time, it makes it fe feel grandiose, where when I want it to be really punchy, then I go with something a little bit more short, uh, short sentences, and that's not a writer's trick. That's just what I'm doing. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't quote me. I mean, this is just, one thing playing with the length of the sentences, I think it's it's a good way. Um, something I maybe to 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 talk about uh, when we talk about writing them, there's a pitfall where it's kind of a gray zone again, where in the description you might be tempted to tell the players how the the character feel about certain things that happen in your description, and that's kind of a slippery slope. I personally think there's some time that it's okay uh maybe we don't have the time to unpack everything because like we said it's a bit we're a bit long uh but i will say um feeling that are instinctual that are like the instinct of like you describe something gross and you say you are you feel sick to your stomach i i like doing that because this is like uncontrollable maybe by someone like you know like um, well, if you say like, oh, you feel um, like you should tell that person to leave. Well, no, that's not your call, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe that this might actually be an interesting episode for us to face because I, I am of the opinion of if you can not say the words you or your character in the description, it's a good description. Obviously, like you said, there's some gray zones, but normally I try to strive to not say that, to just describe, just say like it is and try to incorporate sensations. But if you can avoid saying you or they or your characters in the description, I like, I like to try to strive for that. It's a, a challenge I give myself sometimes. <laughs> Um, another way for you guys to think about like when you're writing these things is to think about, like Chris said, the 
feeling you want the players to feel. If you're making, especially if it's an NPC, right? If your NPC is supposed to be very regal and proper, well, you can prepare your text as such. If the character is not so smart and like has a has like a, a nervous tick that they always repeat the same thing, well, again, prepare your text as such. Try try to think about what kind of what are you trying to portray and make the text match it. Uh, and and then this kind of also segues into when you're reading them, how to read them. There's a certain tone that you want to take when you're reading prepared text. Especially if it's prepared text that you've written yourself, you should have it written down in a way that you'll be able to, you know, punctuate the ends of the sentences, speak loudly when it's something big or intimidating or, or grand, speak softly, whisper things to captivate the attention of your players, play with, you know, play with your voice to make the description more engaging to listen to. Because honestly, that's what your players are doing, right? When you're giving something from a prepared text, for the most part, inviting the players to listen to it. So make it a treat to listen to you. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of game master who will do the the the, the, the thing where you you describe a little thing and then bang, you know, and that's that's fine. But there's a lot more very like there's a various way to do it. And one thing that actually my players, including you and um, Vince, uh, kind of pointed out last time, it was the pauses. Uh, you know, when you want to create that that ambience of suspense, having pauses in your description, but also like in your NPC interaction, those pauses mean like give a lot of suspense and intonation and intensity to your description. And I would say try it, like read it in advance. I personally, like we, I like we've talked in the past. I play a lot of Gloomhaven with my wife. There's also those, it's prepared text to set up the mission and the, then they have one for the conclusion. I always try to act it out, do the pauses, do the voices, because it's great practice. So if you play Descent or you play any kind of games like that, uh, if you play uh, Mention of Madness, uh, where you have a bunch of text on the app to read, board games are great for that. So prepare, uh, practice, 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 and don't be afraid of those pauses. Yeah, and, and another thing to mention here when you guys are reading prepared text is you're going to inevitably make a mistake. You're going to say something wrong, you're going to forget a sentence, and that's okay. The trick I like to tell myself is that my players don't have the prepared text in front of them. They don't know what I missed, so or they don't know that I said something that I shouldn't have said. So just roll with it. Keep going, and it, you know it's something that's going to feel weird the first couple of times you do it, but just know that they don't know you made a mistake, so just pretend you did it. Fake <laughs> it till you make it. Yeah, that's the GM uh, motto right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Great. Well, I think that enough for today. We're kind of long here, so I think uh, that's a good discussion about prepared text. I personally love it. I can't have enough of it because otherwise I'm just going to skip it. But I think some people might have different views. And if you among those people, I would encourage you to uh, contact us. I would love to have a Twitter, to see a Twitter. I mean, I'm, I, I, I see a lot of the Twitter, Matt, is uh, 
they're he's asking question over there and they have some interesting conversation yeah so if you guys want to reach out to us there you guys know where that is that's at roll underscore play underscore chat or we have an email that's contact roleplaychat at gmail.com yeah we'd love for you guys to email us as we've gotten a couple of emails mm -hmm. um but you know it's always great to hear from 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 anybody listening anybody out there so please don't hesitate to to reach out to us ask us your question tell us your preferences and any of that and and then with that i guess it's time to wrap up the show so thanks for listening hope you guys have a good week and chris uh, that's it for prepared text isn't it it is matt let's call it a chat <laughs>